when I watch TV, it's just some shows that you just, that are pretend. And, and when you explore, you get more imagination than you already had. And um, when you get more imagination, it makes you want to go deeper in so you can get more and see beautiful things. Like it could, the path, if it's a path, it could lead you, it could lead you to a beach or something, and it could be beautiful. you think this is just another day in your life? It's not just another day. It's the one day that is given to you today. It's given to you. It's a gift. It's the only gift that you have right now. And the only appropriate response is gratefulness. If you do nothing else but to cultivate that response to the great gift that this unique day is, if you learn to respond as if it were the first day in your life, and the very last day, then you will have spent this day very well. Begin by opening your eyes and be surprised that you have eyes you can open. That incredible array of colors that is constantly offered to us for pure enjoyment. Look at the sky. We so rarely look at the sky. We so rarely note how different it is from moment to moment with clouds coming and going. We just think of the weather. And even of the weather, we don't think of all the many nuances of weather. We just think of good weather and bad weather. This day, right now, it's unique weather. Maybe a kind that will never exactly in that form come again. The formation of clouds in the sky will never be the same that is right now. Open your eyes, look at that. Look at the faces of people whom you meet. Each one has an incredible story behind their face story that you could never fully fathom. Not only their own story, but the story of their ancestors. We all go back so far. And in this present moment, on this day, all the people you meet 
honored life from generations and from so many places all over the world flows together and meets you here like a life-giving water if you only open your heart and drink. Open your heart to the incredible gifts that civilization gives to us. You flip a switch and there is electric light. You turn a faucet and there is warm water and cold water and drinkable water. It's a gift that millions and millions in the world will never experience. So these are just a few of an enormous number of gifts to which we can open your heart. And so I wish you that you will open your heart to all these blessings and let them flow through you. That everyone whom you will meet on this day will be blessed by you. Just by your eyes, by your smile, by your touch, just by your presence. Let the gratefulness overflow into blessing all around you. And then it will really be a good day. Let the gratefulness overflow into blessing all around you. Then it will be a good day. So how do we cultivate that gratefulness? I want to propose to you this morning that gratitude comes from an accurate assessment of what is valuable. So Jesus has these followers who as they observe him, they come to an understanding that Jesus has this ability to accurately assess what is valuable. To live in it, to share it, and not to deviate from it. In seeing that, they say to him, they have this understanding that, that he is that way and they are not and they want to be that way but they don't know how to get there and they're missing what we've been calling the X factor which is to be like him. And they know exactly what that X factor is and so they simply say to him in an effort to be like him, they say to him, teach us to pray. And Jesus' response is, I will show you a pattern of living which will become your prayer. It is not a formula for you to get things, but it is a pattern for living. And your very life will become a prayer. And so Jesus taught them these words, and I want you to say them with me this morning because you know them. Say them with me. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if gratitude comes from 
the accurate assessment of what is valuable. Then immediately Jesus points out what is valuable because he begins by saying, I want you to come to the Father. And he uses that word Abba, which we talked about last week. And we gave you an image for that. Guys, we have that picture. Here's how you come. And I asked you this last week, I assigned you, and I hope you did it, that as you prayed this week, you always pictured yourself in that manner. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to download the podcast because it's vital that when we approach him, we become as a little child and we approach him as a father. He immediately then springs forth into telling us what is valuable and how to have gratitude. For the scripture says, and Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. That word hallowed is an important word because it's teaching us that prayer assesses the value of our Father. So as I've been growing up in life, and I would repeat those words, I always try to figure out what hallowed meant, and, and so here's what it is. Hallowed simply means to make holy. To make something holy, actually the word means to take something and to separate it because it has greater value than the common things that it exists with. And so you take it and you move it and you say, this thing has value to me and it's not something I want with that which is common. So if you are walking through a creek, bread, a creek bed in South Africa and you're looking at the pebbles and the stones and the rocks and suddenly you see something glitters and you reach down and you pull up a diamond... You don't lay it back down, but you pick it up and you separate it. You make it holy because it has greater value than that which is common. You've made it holy. After our gathering this morning, Pam and I will walk through the building and we'll greet folks. And we don't do this together because I move quicker than she does. And eventually... After most of you are gone, she'll still be gathered with some ladies and they're going to still be talking and I'm going to be hungry. And I'll eventually walk up to Pam and I'll say, hi, sweetie, we've got to go now. And everybody knows who I'm talking about when I say, hi, sweetie, it's Pam. And so I will take Pam with me. Why didn't I choose any of the other ladies? Number one, because I value my life. (laughs) And number two is because I have made Pam holy. Because she has a value to me no one else has. I see a value in her that I set her aside from all others because everyone else is part of the common body, but she, or common community, but she is that which I count as value because I have a relationship with that which I value. And therefore, she is other than they are. For the word holy also means other. And so I take her and I hold her in a different place. I put her in a different place because she is other and I have a relationship with that one I value. Hallowed be your name. Jesus said, you've got to hold holy that name. The name simply is is more than just a bunch of letters pronouncing a phrase or a word The name is meant to reveal the character, the essence of the person. When you say to me, Pam Reisner, I don't think of letters on a placard. 
but I think of the essence of who Pam is, her personality, her character, who she is, and what I love about her. And so I look at that name and I hold that name separate from all others. It is what the follower of Jesus, John, discovered in a vision. It is what a prophet named Isaiah discovered in a vision. That suddenly both of them were ushered at separate centuries into this place where this one whose name we are to hold holy, where he sits on a throne. And we are told that surrounding that throne and in all its beauty, there are these creatures, these creatures that, that have six wings and eyes all around them, and they're flying back and forth, leading this wonderful, wonderful expression of worship with millions and millions surrounding the throne and what they're doing in an antiphonal chant is saying, holy, holy, holy. And this side would repeat, holy, holy, holy. And back and forth they would sing, holy, holy, holy. The earth is full of his glory. Other, other, other are you. We hold your name above all other names. There's no one who comes close to who you are because we value you so much and we see who you are. We're told that the elders keep throwing their crowns before him, yelling, holy, holy, holy. Then they look, they bow down, they look back up and they go, holy, 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 because they keep saying, there's no one like you, there's no one like you, there's no one like you. Look at you, 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 look at you. And for eternity, they're saying, look at you. And it's not because they can't think of anything else to say, but because every time they look, there's a different facet of his name that just blows their mind. It is his name, the scripture says, that God exalted that name to the name that is above every name, that at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I hold holy your name. Which is, which is if, I, if I'm really holding it holy, I can't say to you, hey, I've been talking to the big guy upstairs. You can't say that. Not if I see who he is. I can't call him J.C., or Jesus H. Christ. I can't do that because I'm overwhelmed with that name and who he is. Job was familiar with this God, but the time came that he was so familiar with God's favor that he lost the awareness of God's holiness. And so God visits Job with a personal encounter that once again realigns his view and his hallowing of that name. And after he has this encounter, Job says this, Job chapter 40, verse 4. He says, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. There is this thing about prayer. This intimacy with God that we come to him as we showed you last week as, as a child, as an infant in his arms. And he says, yes, do that. But at the same time, juxtaposed, if you will, there is an awareness of the one who holds you. So honestly, when, when I pray very often, I first approach because I feel so unworthy to be there. I first approach and I say, oh God, I'm here because Jesus made it possible and I'm your child and so you, you've got to take me because you, you said you would. 
and I see myself being held in his arms and then I look around and I see these masses of people and creatures worshiping him and I begin to recognize who he is and I just see it in my mind and then I, I find myself so aware of that that sometimes I find myself like, like Isaiah who said, I, I am disintegrated, I have no integrity. There is no integrity of me when I'm next to you or when John said, I'm like a dead man or like Job said, I shut my mouth when I'm next to you because anything I say will profane this moment and I find myself sometimes down on the carpet with my face in the floor saying, oh God, how could you hold me when I see who you are? Oh, Father, who art in heaven, I so hold holy your name. And then we begin to discover, to discover his name. And this morning I want us to recognize one of the most unique places we discover his name. And that discovery takes place in our challenges, in our crises, in our despair. I'm going to propose to you this morning that despair with prayer clarifies our Father. So for many centuries, God's name was Elohim. El is the common name of a God in those years. And every religion had El. You could go down to the local Walmart, aisle 32, and get yourself an El. Everybody had an El. So it was really amazing when this El, Elohim, which we could talk about this morning, really is plural, which should give you an idea about the Godhead. Elohim comes, this common God, that everybody else has a common God, comes to a 90-year-old guy and his wife who's about the same age, a lady who's never had a child because she's barren, and this Elohim says to them, you're going to have a kid. And this kid is going to create a wonderful family. It's going to become a nation. And from that nation, I will bring justice and redemption to this earth. And so that you know that this is not a common thing, I'm going to give you an intimate name of who I am. My name is Yahweh, Jehovah. More than always existent, because it means I am that I am, but it also means, and has a context of, of rescuing and delivering, I am rescuing you now as I have always done and always will, and here's my intimate name, my intimate name to you that no one else gets, except those who are intimate with me, is I am Yahweh, Jehovah. So you know me as Jack Reisner, but Pam has a name for me that she knows because we are so close and you don't know it. And you will not. It's not an unusual name, but it's just her name and there's only one other person who calls me that name. It's a friend of mine, a guy that we've been friends for a lot of years and he calls me by the same name so you know it's not like pumpkin or sweetie. But it's because we have this, this intimacy that he can say that and Pam calls me that name and so God comes to Abraham and he says, I am Jehovah and here's what I'm going to do. And the scripture says, Abraham said, I believe. When we pray and we spend enough time in his presence, he wants to reveal to you his intimate names. So that as he reveals himself to you, you can then say, oh, I believe. 
to do that, it takes time. It takes trust. Pam and I have been married now for over 36 years. And when I first met her, and just before we got married, I knew her as Pam. And I had names for her, Pam the Beautiful. I mean, that, that, I know about her, Pam the Beautiful. Pam the Romantic, she's very romantic. Pam the Good Kisser, I know that. Pam the party girl, she loves to party. But it wasn't until we decided to spend our lives together and we spent a lot of time together because we're married and, and we just enjoy being with each other, I began to discover other parts of who she is. When we had children and they got really, really sick and we thought we were going to lose one, I discovered Pam the prayer. I would have known, not known that otherwise. There are those moments in our years that I've got really discouraged at certain points, and, and she became Pam the encourager, Pam the one who brought me hope. I discovered that she was Pam the shopper. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much money she has saved me all these years. <laughs> and when I've really messed up, I discovered that she was Pam the incredible forgiver when I should have lost my marriage. She was Pam the faithful. Wouldn't have known that unless I had gone through crisis. And so God comes to this nation birthed out of Abraham and he says to them, in your moments of crisis and despair, let me tell you who I am and I am Jehovah and he would represent himself and it would be the answer to their crisis because that's who he is. I want to say to you today that it takes time. It cannot be done and now I lay me down to sleep or thank you for this food and bless it to my body. It has to be done in some intense moments and lengthy times, talking to God, being with him so that he can say to you in the crisis you're facing right now, I am Jehovah who, and you go, oh, that's your name, I believe. It can only be done in intimate prayer. I once had a confrontation with a service manager at a local dealership here in town. I'd taken my car, into, and this was years back, I'd taken it in to, to get some stuff done on it, and I knew what they were going to do. And I said, oh, by the way, my driver's side window seems to be slipping, and I think that you need to check it out. So just, just check and tell me what you think. And because I'd had a car previous that the actual the entire window had just caught off the track and gone down inside the door, and I didn't want it to happen again. So I said, just check it out. I came back hours later, they fixed everything, and then they said, oh, yeah, we checked your window, nothing's wrong, and they charged me $50 for checking the window. I said, wait, 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 50, what did you do? We rolled it down, rolled it back up, nothing's wrong. I said, wait, wait, how long did that take? Oh, about 10 seconds. You charged me 50 bucks? Yeah, I said, you, you think that's ethical? Well, we, we do that. So we had this, this conversation about ethics, and, and, and finally I said, I need to talk to the service manager. He came out, and I, I said, what are you doing? You can't charge me 50 bucks. You went up and down. That's all you did. And he said, well, we're going to. And I said, well, then to be honest with you, that I'm never going to bring my... My, my, my business here ever again. I will not buy a car from you. I won't buy anything from you. And honestly, if people ask me, I'll tell them what you do. And so I left with that relationship broken. About four months later, I needed a part from my car, and there's only one place that has the part. <laughs> so I made sure I could sneak in without the man seeing me. Because I thought he'd look at me and go, what are you doing here? 
Some of us in this place today, when we think about coming to God in prayer, we think I have broken relationship with him enough that if I show up, God's gonna look at me and say, what are you doing here? So somehow we think we can sneak around him in our prayers. Or we'll go to somebody else and say, hey, Pastor Jason, you know the man upstairs, put a good prayer in for me because you don't wanna talk to him. You're afraid he's gonna look at you and go, what are you doing here? And God said, I want you to understand from the very beginning my intimate name. I am Jehovah Sidkenu. I am Jehovah who is your what? Your righteousness. It is the word, the name that he used in speaking to Jeremiah and he said this, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He'll be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. We know who that is. For the scripture tells us because of Jesus, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all impurity. See, when we come to pray, understand that God already decided what he's gonna do with your sins. Just look on the cross and see Jesus hanging there saying, Father, forgive them. And watch the Father's response to Jesus' petition to forgive them in that temple where there is a divider between God and us because of our sins. And there's this really huge, thick curtain that separates us from God. Watch it as it is ripped from the top to the bottom and God says, okay, here I am. I'm coming to you. Because I am God, your righteousness. God has already decided to forgive you and you don't have to sneak in because again, look at the picture. That's how he wants you and he made a way for you. And so what I do is when I come to the Father, when I, in my prayer, I go, okay, God, I'm here and I've really messed up and there's no reason why you should answer me but according to your name, Jehovah Sid Canoe, this was your idea and so here I am because of Jesus, and the Father embraces me. Several years ago, I was walking on a trail, and I stopped to pray, and I leaned back up against a tree with my hands behind my back, and I'm leaning there for, for quite a while, and finally, I, I brought my hands out, and I felt like God said to me, look at your hand, and I looked at my hand, and there in my hand, because of the, the pressing into the tree trunk, I had the shape of that tree trunk on my hand. And I felt like God said to me, Press in close to me, and I will give you my shape. See, we work so hard to WWJD, what would Jesus do? I think if we would spend more time just pressing in in prayer, just being with him, we would discover that he is Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies. To the nation of Israel, he said, I want to shape you like me. And so he gave him these words. Leviticus 28 says, keep all my decrees by putting them into practice for I am the Lord who what? Makes you holy. When the disciples are threatened after Jesus ascended, notice they didn't run, they, they didn't hide, they didn't, they didn't recant. Instead, they were so bold that later those who were threatening them said they took note that they had been with Jesus. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more we look like him. So I just want to tell you this, that because he is Jehovah Makedesh, you can just spend time with him. And as you do in prayer, spend time with him and talk with him and, and just absorb who he is and read scriptures as you're praying, he will shape you. 
And people will say, ah, they, she's been with Jesus. It's obvious. This week I had some issues that were beginning to create some anxiety for me. So I talked with Pam and tried to work those out and I was still anxious. So I came in to my office early this last week in, in the morning and I, and I turned on worship music. I pulled the scriptures and said, oh God, show me something. And then I began to pray. And I gotta tell you that after about an hour, I felt my anxiety begin to be released. My dad used to tell me, he used to, in college, he used to call me and write me and, and he would say, he'd say, hey, be sure you wait on God. And, and what he was telling me is, just get in God's presence and absorb him because he'll give you peace there. And he said this, if you're ever anxious, that means you haven't spent enough time with him. Go spend time with him until the anxiety leaves because he is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah who is our peace. You remember that Gideon was the one who was hiding as the Midianites were, were sweeping through the nation of Israel and were stealing and, and, and threatening and warring. And, and so he found some grain and he was hiding, trying to get enough for his family. And the Lord shows up, God himself, and says to this guy hiding, he said, hello, hero, the Lord is with you. Gideon doesn't believe that he's a hero and, and he doesn't even understand who this is who's shown up and eventually he realizes that it is God himself and he yells, I'm dead and falls over. Mr. Hero falls over. And God responds to him this way according to the book of Judges. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. So here's the deal. When you spend time with him in prayer, he has a name he wants to show you. First of all, what he thinks of you. He's going to show you that you are way beyond what you think you are, that you are much more powerful than you really understand, that you're much more valuable to him than you ever thought you were. And when you spend enough time with him, he will reveal that to you. He'll say, here's my name for you, Mr. Hero. And when you start to say, yeah, but, but I can't be that, you spend enough time with him, you have this peace that says, oh yeah, you can do this. This can happen. You can be this way. My dad used to tell me when I got anxious to go in and, and stay with God until I had this sense of peace. And so I began to learn to do that. And here's what he would tell me to do. He'd say, you go in, spend time with God about an issue. And when you have the peace that God says you can do this and he's got it under control, then you take a peg and you pound it in the ground, if you will, and say, this is when God gave me peace and I'll always remember this. So then I leave and my own mind or others say, you can't do that. There's no way that can be accomplished. I suddenly turn back and I look at that peg and I say, that is what God told me then and it has not changed and I stay within that realm of peace. Some of you don't have peace because you haven't spent enough time with him. Because I can guarantee you, you spend enough time with Jesus, he will speak to the storm in your life and say, be still. And then you have to stay in that presence. There are some others of these names that I'm going to mention to you and ask you that you would look them up, Google them, do whatever, but realize what they say. Let me just give you a couple more. Thank him that, you, that he is Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. 
simply means this, Jesus said it, I'm with you always. So when you're feeling you're alone, you start saying to him, thank you that you are Jehovah who is with me. You said you are there. You have not left me. You are here with me. Declare that he is Jehovah Rophe. This is Jehovah who heals. Pastor Jason led us in that understanding of his name today. You say, ah, oh, but that's an Old Testament scripture. And well, the New Testament says this, that by his stripes we were healed. Say, oh, thank you that you're the healer. You know what I do? I, when, I, when I'm mentioning these names in prayer, I start running through the scriptures where I know that he healed. And I say, you did it for that person and that person and that person and that person and that person. You can do it for my child because you are no respecter of people. You wonder how you're going to pay your bills? He is Jehovah. Yere, Jehovah's provision will be seen. And I can tell you this, that as Pam and I at times wondered how we were going to make our, our payments when I had no income coming in, we'd say, oh, but you are the Lord who provides. I declare you are. I hold that holy. I will not let any other name or any other circumstance come in the way. I will take that name and I'll hold it there and say, but this trumps everything. And we get so concerned about making right choices and being in the right places. Perhaps if we spent more time in prayer and less in worry and discussion with everybody else's ideas, we would discover that he is Jehovah-Rohi, Jehovah my shepherd. And so I take Psalm 23 and I start going through it and say, Lord, you're my shepherd, I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You are my shepherd. You will guide me. You will help me make the right decision. You won't let me make the wrong decision. I have found this, that when I seek his face, I do not make wrong decisions. He puts me there. When I was in grade school in Liverpool, New York, I was out with a friend and it was a, a, a day when the snow was melting and it was mushy and, and we were out with another kid and we were harassing this other kid. And so I was standing talking to the kid and he was right there in front of me and my friend snuck behind him on all fours and got behind him. And then I pushed him. He tumbled over backwards and we didn't plan this, but there was this small ditch behind him and it was full of mushy snow and it was starting to melt, but it was still had consistency. So when he plopped over, his head went into the snow and he actually was standing on his head stuck in the snow. We thought he was going to die. So we did what you're supposed to do. We ran. <laughs> Scared us. We thought we were home free, and suddenly, about a block down, we got surrounded by his big brother and his father, who was big. And they threatened us. I didn't know what to do. I was scared to death. And then suddenly... Who should arrive but my big brother and my father? The posse had arrived. And my father made it very clear. He assured the other family that he would discipline me if needed. He did. He also assured the other family that he would definitely protect me if needed. Here's the deal. We all mess up and we wonder what God's going to do with us. And God will discipline us if necessary. But he also says this, I will protect you when needed. For he is Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah my banner. See, the banner, banner is the standard. It is that pole. It is that flag that represents the family. 
the family's desires and the family's willingness to go to war to protect that which is right. It is a sign of rescue and salvation. He said, I am your banner. In Exodus 17, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of God, and the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. He said, the Lord will keep flying over us. He'll be our banner. He will be our standard. He is covering us. This is God's people. He will protect us. And we know what our banner is. For God has always intended that Jesus, hanging on that cross, would be our banner. For Isaiah said, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples and nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. Jesus is that root of Jesse and Jesus says, I am warring for you. So let me give you some practical direction. So often we say, I went to pray and after five minutes I had nothing else to do, nothing else to say. Ever found yourself in that place? And you start thinking about other things and, and you say, well, how much longer do I have to do this? Do this. Our Father, I come to you because I'm your child and I want you to picture that, him holding you. Then I want you to say, I'm going to hold aside your name. Hallowed be your name because I'm declaring that you are Jehovah Sidkenu. You are the one who is my righteousness. Thank you that, that you have purified me. And I begin to talk about that. Thank you that you are Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. And I start talking about my anxiety and say, here, you are my peace in this thing because look what you have done. You are Jehovah my shepherd. Look what you are doing. You are Jehovah who, I'm just not the man I'm supposed to be, but you're gonna shape me and create me. So I just wanna be with you. And you'll be surprised how long that takes you to get through that list. But I tell you one thing, when you're done, you go, oh, hallowed be your name. There's no name like your name. Pam and I recently moved, and we were going through a lot of stuff, throwing things out, and, and we're going through old books and, and, and yearbooks and old pictures, and, and I came across this. This is the 52nd Annual Commencement Week Activities of Central Bible College, April 27th to 29th, 1976. That was my commencement. And so I'm looking through and seeing all the people who spoke, and I'm looking through and seeing people that I graduated with, and, and I'm thinking, and, and, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm looking here, and I said, oh, Delta Epsilon Chi Honor Awards. I forgot that I was in that group, and, and so I started looking at all the people that I know that were in that, and I'm thinking, hey, he's a doctor now, and, and, and they're doing this thing and that thing, and I'm thinking pretty good about myself at this point, going, hey, I'm a pretty smart guy. My dad must have been really impressed with me. So I got ready to put it down, and I looked in the back, And I recognized my father's handwriting. It's important to me now because with dementia, he doesn't think like this. But here's the one so many years was telling me, wait on God, wait on God. Go there and be at peace with him. Find his names and stay there. So while I'm thinking about how impressed he must have been about my awards or the people I'm compared to, when he was thinking about me, this is what he wrote, and he was formulating it as during commencement and writing it, and he had crossed out words because he was trying to formulate a thought, and here's what his thought was. Every morning, rest your elbows on the windowsill of heaven and gaze upon your Lord and turn and face the day strong, 
with this vision. And what would that vision be? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then it will be a good day. Would you stand? Now may you discover the love of Jehovah so revealed in his son Jesus. May you discover the height and the depth and the breadth and the length. And this week may you make holy his name. May you discover his peace for you and his shaping of you, his provision for you, his forgiveness for you, his guidance for you. And may you remain in his presence till you walk in his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving.